0: This is Training Talk. Training Talk is your regular update on the fast-paced and ever-changing world of demolition training.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Training Talk, in which we sit down with newly elected National Federation of Demolition Contractors President Holly Price. We talk about Brexit, about diversity in the industry and above all we talk about training. So sit back and enjoy the episode ndtg the national demolition training group is the leader in specialist demolition training courses here for all your ccdo card needs choose open courses or on-site training and with training endorsed by build uk and citb why train with anyone else be smart contact ndtg today visit ndtg.training or call 01442 217 144 and hit option two. We start by discussing the specific aims that Holly has for her presidency.
0: One of the challenges that I've sort of seen over the last couple of years, in all honesty, has been that a challenge back from the membership to to the, uh, the board of the uh, of the NFDC has been to listen a bit more to be honest Mark so um, the challenge really was I didn't want to lay out and be too prescriptive about life I mean we all know what the big industry issues are it doesn't matter whether you're in the NFDC or whether you're in another part of the construction industry some the bigger issues are the bigger issues and we need to tackle them together as an industry but really from a federation perspective I think it's really important that we're responding to where possible of course what it is that the members are finding difficult there's really clearly to me a bit of a disconnect as well between what other sort of industry regulatory type bodies are doing and not necessarily what the federation are doing but whether that information from there is actually getting again to our members so I want to try and make some closer collaborative links with other trade associations and with people like build uk with the citb the only reason i agreed to the position at the citb because was you know because i thought well again let's you've kind of got to be in it to win it don't you you've got to got to be at the party to be able to make some change so that was that was really the focus there and of course it would be ridiculous given where we are in time and what else is happening for me, not to be t- tackling the diversity issue in the demolition sector as well. So, of course, that is on my agenda, and will continue to be. And I think some of that will come out um, to towards the back part of this year. There's quite a lot of work to do. I think before we've got something that is real and tangible for the for the industry, and then and in the interim, of course, you've heard about the mental health and resilience piece that we're doing as well. So there's some quite big-ticket items, to be honest. But, you know, I'm always up for a bit of a challenge, Mark, so we'll
1: see. You've mentioned the word diversity, and obviously being the first female president, I guess that's a that's a gender diversity. What about the wider diversity? The, the fact that we, as far as I can see, there, there are no gay demolition men.
0: Yes. I'm,
1: sh- sure, um, I'm um, sure they probably <laughs> are, but, 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 but apparently it's not.
0: We've Yeah, sorry, Karen. And
1: on. And it's a very white industry as well, which just seems odd in this day and age, to be honest.
0: It is, we're not, our industry doesn't reflect um, the demographic of the UK at all, so of course there are, um, we need to get better at at being more open and having those conversations, and also I think, again, where where I mentioned earlier about the links with other organisations, There is so much work being done to attract people into the construction sector. Obviously, whether like like it or love it, we are part of the construction sector and there is an awful lot of government money. There's an awful lot of effort being put into attracting people into our industry and we're not really tapping into that um, as well as we should be as a sector and, and really getting that demographic. And I think that would come through naturally as, as I'm, you've written about a thousand times, Mark, we've, our industry t- tended to attract people who were from already from a demolition family of some description. Sure. I'm obviously the exception to that rule. I was just a bit of a, a teenage rebel. But the we're never going to be able to change that in, unless that perception changes. And I think one of the things that we are doing um, in, I think it's November, it is in November, is the World, World Skills Show yep. up in the Midlands. And... Um, We need to be showing that a a more open, a more honest and a more welcoming industry. Um, Because even to this day, and it drives me absolutely round the bend, you know, even in 2019, I still have conversations with clients about this so-called dark art of demolition and that, you know, we need to put a bit more science behind it. Well. We couldn't put any more signs behind it if we tried. So you know, really, it's that again. We've still got that perception, and we've got to start breaking down those barriers. And um, never been one for being particularly quiet about things. I'm happy to go ahead and do that. You know?
1: you, you mentioned disconnect, and uh, this is this is not a criticism of the NFDC by any means. But Kelbray obviously is is a very big company, probably the biggest demolition company in the country. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, as somebody that works for a company of that stature, mm-hmm. how do you go about understanding the, the needs and the requirements of somebody that's one man and his dog and, and a digger out the back?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, of course it is, and I, I would completely understand why people would ask that question as well. It's, I have spent many, many years, more than I dread to, you know, care to think, 24 actually it will be this year, um, years in the demolition industry, and not all of them in an organisation like Kelpray. So I do very much remember being on the hard end of of the sector. You know, even albeit you know controlled, of course, was perceived at least to be a very very glitzy organisation. There was there was only a handful of us, and it was really bloody hard work. And and you know it was we had some tough times, and and I think having. Had that experience, it allows me to be able to identify better, and obviously, I would consider myself quite an empathetic person. So I, you know, I'm capable of putting myself in other people's shoes to be able to to think a little bit differently. You know, I can I'd like to think a bit wider than than just the the linear.
1: I always thought that Dave Darcy was quite unfortunate in the timing of his presidency. I think he was a good president, <laughs> but he, he 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 unfortunately he was became president. As the economy basically nosedived. Yes. You've kind of inherited the uh, the Brexit back. Yeah. Whatever you know, however that's gonna. There's something gonna happen in your in your tenure. How do you prepare for that, or do you just have to roll with the punches?
0: I think well, we have had some conversations, and it's certainly something that's on the agenda. We need to look at how we can best position our members. So. When we look at them, just using the mental health and resilience part, there is gonna be a lot of change, whether we like it or not. Some of it possibly good. So I'm not certainly not saying it's all gonna be a negative, but I think we need to look at best placing our members of the NFDC to be out there, to win the work that is available. And actually there are, the opportunity is always knocking. You just have to look for it. And so yes, the work that we get today in the future may come from a slightly different place or may be procured slightly differently or whatever that may be but we need to we need to help our membership to be prepared for that and so on that basis when we're looking again I mentioned the mental health and resilience piece we're working also very very hard with build uk about fair payment practices about um, pr- the pr- uh, procurement practices um based on how we can pre-qualify we are going to upgrade um, as no extra cost to our membership up to chaz Premium again so that our membership are best placed to to win the work that is available and and I think as well it is about because there's so many different issues with Brexit so you've got you're having the same conversation about having a massive skills shortage at the same time as a downturn in work which the two things don't appear to naturally go together but in reality that is it is what's happening and so irrespective of whether there is a downturn in work, we're still going to have a shortage of people making delivery much harder and so on and so on and so on. Now, obviously, there's a, again, the government is pumping a tonne of money into innovation funding. The construction uh, sector is very focused on off-site manufacturing and, and other skills of that nature. But we can, we'll never, I think, obviously, there is a lot of innovation in demolition. But I genuinely don't think we'll ever get away from being a really people-heavy, people-focused sector, purely because we're working with, you know, could even be 200 years of different types of design. And you can't build a machine to deal with all of that, you know, and and the environmental issues that go along with it. So I think it is what we can... We've got to pick our battles a little bit, you know. Who knows what these deadlines are going to be with Brexit? Who knows what really the outcome is going to be? I think we could sit here and guess, but that could change tomorrow. And so it's really about just putting some strategies in place and hopefully we can do that over the next few months with the membership. From some of the early feedback from what was put in D&D, training is, is always on everybody's minds, is always on everybody's lips. Training is expensive and it is onerous and it is, but absolutely necessary. So it will continue to be, and I think always a hot topic for people, but I think we're well positioned and obviously with Dave Darcy being in the NDTG chairman position as well, that actually we have worked very closely and that's something that you can observe about about the demolition sector that you genuinely do not get in the rest of this industry, is how collaborative we do actually work together. And and so there's been lots of people involved in the trailblazer, you know, and, and getting that off the ground. And hopefully that means ultimately that now that's been signed off, we can start attracting some funding. I want to, again, make it much clearer for people to see how they can go and attract people into the demolition sector. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, recently there's, there's, I think it's 40-something new hubs across the UK have been given construction funding to train unskilled people into any of the construction areas. Demolition is one of them. We're doing quite a significant lump of work for that for Transport for London out of Earls Court. And, you know, we'll be training another 650 people in, in very basic, but demolition skills nevertheless. So... It is happening and it is available, but I was, again, that's it's that disconnect of our guys, or our membership. Possibly, how would they know that? So I really do genuinely see this position, as you have to be the linchpin between what is happening in both the government and partner type organisations, and the federation and what our membership are trying to achieve.
1: Kelpy has obviously got its own training. We division, arm, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. ERA's got their own. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of others. How, how do you balance that with the NDTG? What what do you do that the NDTG doesn't do and vice versa?
0: Well, in all honesty, we do all sorts of things. We only train for Kelp Ray people, first and foremost. So we don't, we're not a commercial training provider when it comes to demolition. We always had that agreement with the NDTG because... I don't believe we should be in competition with the training group. Um, we train internally because if we didn't, we would never be able to do it. So the whole reason, you know, we've got there's a thousand people in the demolition division in our business. We would there's absolutely no way on God's earth there is enough training provision out there in the industry to to keep that up to the to the standard at which we you know we expect it to be, and that's the reason why we do that internally. And I expect you know, for, for other larger demolition contractors, it's the same. I massively appreciate that it's so much harder for the smaller contractors to to access good training, and whether that's a geographic issue, whether that's just a general um, resource issue, that the, the trainers just simply are not there. I know that we've got it on the agenda, certainly through the NDTG, that we have to make... More training available to the industry. It's a tough one because when you have got, you know, there might be a hundred people working. I don't know somewhere deepest darkest Wales or up in Cumbria or somewhere like that. And so to have a permanent presence would be almost impossible. But we do have a kelp and I'm very happy for the you know for the training group to to use any of our facilities. We have training centres all over the UK. We have them in Scotland, we have them in, in Penrith, in Cumbria, we have them in the Midlands, you know, in Crewe, in Staffordshire and um, across in Doncaster, down into Rugby, then Basildon and London. So, it's, you know, they they do exist. It is, it is a tough one. It's definitely a tough one because, again, even with the trailblazers, the initial pilot has to be in London because there's only a college in London who's going to... Uh, who can run that kind of qualification at the moment? But uh, we have a an L and D manager, uh, Aaron Davis, who has always worked all over across the country, and he's um helping the NDTG to find other partners who can deliver that. Um, and certainly Mr. Reedy down in in uh, Devon and Cornwall, they they're looking at some facilities down there as well. So. There's def- definitely, definitely work to do on that front to make it more accessible to people, for sure. And the cost, is there anything you can do about the cost? There are. Know, th- your ba- your yeah, No, right? no, of know. course, yeah, I mean, there is. The, the short answer is absolutely yes. Today, whether you have to pay a training provider a certain fee um, is probably harder. We, we have obviously far less control over that. Um, but what we can do... And again, and this is where the CIT putting my CITB hat on for a second comes into it, is there are so many people underclaiming in the sector that, you know, again, education is about teaching our members how to go and access that funding. Because for the smaller contractors, without doing anything at all, they can get between ten and £20,000 to pay. And that would probably cover their training budget for the year. So we need to make sure that they're doing that, make sure it's available. And again, it's all down to, to communication.
1: It sounds like there's a training course required for using the training oh, system, Oh, it, it? it is
0: tricky, <laughs> and that's another thing that I'm trying to tackle from the other side is how do we make this more simple for people? The grant schemes are, are exceptionally complex and, and, you know, we have two people at Calvary who that is all they do. So you know, it's, of course it is extremely complicated. But actually, what they have done for for the um, certainly for the smaller contractors, is make accessing some form of funding much easier. And there's also um, digital a digital piece coming out later on in the year that will help people to do that. And again, make the process an awful lot simpler. Simple. So, so yeah, it's heading in the right direction, <laughs> but there's a lot still to do.
1: You've mentioned the CITB a couple of times, and yep. obviously you you are now on the board. Is that I the way I am? It, I'm a the trustee way? for CITB.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, I mean, just before we start on what your role is, there, I mean, the yep. CITB over the last few years obviously went through a bit of a debacle with, you know, w- whether it was actually supported by the industry. Ultimately, it was. Yeah. But then it seems to it's sort of selling off bits and pieces and yeah. relocating people. What What is the CITB today?
0: Well, I think I think the this is the whole point of. Um, making sure that that communication piece is better because what is the purpose of the CITB, and it's not to pump out grants. That's for sure. You know, it is to um, to make sure that the right skills are are there for the industry when the industry is ready to act. So um, they it was you know very very um, heavy. It's a very very big organization, which is very difficult to be dynamic. I suppose in that sense. So. I am um, reasonably restricted, of course, as to what I can what I can talk about. But um, but I can honestly, with my hand on my heart, say that they listened to, at last. Consensus: the new business plan is the the one that is currently running. So the three year business plan consensus to consensus is is halfway. We're halfway there, and we are achieving. The C I T B is achieving against its its. Um, its plans there. Um, I think Sarah, being in her position, and the and the, the there were a few changes on on the executive of, have, um, have helped that. But I think the biggest move really and the biggest change was that they wanted to embrace people from industry, and so because without that feedback, it's very difficult, obviously, to form a a succinct strategy. Really, I do feel it's. Um, Consensus comes around so fast that I can honestly, even just not with it, with without my CITB hat on, but just as an observer, to achieve things to that scale in, you know, a year, eighteen months, two years between that in that window is very, very, very difficult to do. So because you can't see legacy, it's too soon for legacy. So it's it's a constant. You know that there is a constant this thing looming. Consensus is always looming, whether you're running towards it or moving away from it. It's always there. So it's um, but that shouldn't be and isn't. I can honestly say what is driving the C I T week today. So when um, I was originally approached for that, I I was really unsure as to whether it you know whether it was the right thing to do, but um. But actually, I think it's a very privileged position, in all honesty. And I think being able to give the executive at the CITV that direct feedback, what's really happening in, you know, acknowledging um, that a huge growth area in the sector is infrastructure. And with that is there's a lot of demolition and enabling works. So because there's really significant changes. That need to be made it's not like knocking down a two-story building and putting up a five-story building it's so wildly different from that that we've got to make our from a federation perspective we've got to make sure our membership are ready and that our training through the ndtg and elsewhere and the knowledge sharing that that's all correct and and right for today and the future and and citb trying to do the same thing on a much wider scale and then tackling again, coming back to the dreaded B word, where we've got this skill shortage, it's attracting people into our industry because I think, you know, we've probably had the conversation 20 times in, you know, in as many years that construction or demolition has certainly not been a, the sexiest, tri- you know, yeah. tri- to go into. So. So in, in school, you know, it's not, you're not getting excited, you're not getting inspired to go and work in the construction sector. And so the new WOW TV campaign, World of Work t- television campaign that's going to be running the schools for careers and stuff has made a huge leap forward as far as that's concerned. And the pilot for that was done relatively recently as well. And so I don't know if you've seen them on Twitter or... Um, Bits and bases, yeah. LinkedIn and stuff. So I think they got something like three hundred thousand school views in the for the for the pilot. So that's a big audience. Big so there's um so there's some big leaps leaps forward being made. So it's really positive. But we're in a really uncertain time. So um, I think the danger is that all the good stuff gets lost in the mire of you know what you know general negativity because it's very hard to be positive when people don't know where their work's coming from and they don't know necessarily you know what the future's going to hold we're obviously all creature we like our creature comforts and creatures of habit and when things change we've got to be able to adapt to it don't we so it's it's a tough one
1: how do you fit it all in because uh, I mean, you, obviously you've got a full-time job we I do. I do. your I do. full-time do. job the NFTC presidency is yeah. demanding. Yeah. It's, um, it's caused very many presidents' problems. Yeah. And then you've decided, oh, what the to hell, I'll do the CITB yeah. as Straight well.
0: It. I must admit, when... Because, obviously, the my presidency has come a lot earlier than expected. Sure. Yeah. So, when I first started talking to CITB, I wasn't going to be president for another two years, obviously. So, um, then... I was like, well, obviously, it was obvious that the presidency was going to happen and then and needed to happen sooner, which is fine, and um, with the CITB, it was like, well, is it the right time? Is it not the right time? time wise you know, even just purely time demands is very, very difficult. I'm in an extremely fortunate position where I have, a, you know, the backing of the directors at Colbert, you know, everybody. Um, who I've worked with here for an awfully long time. I have a big department and a lot of people to rely on as well. And had I not have had those things, there is absolutely no way on God's earth I would have agreed to do any of it, to be honest with you, Matt, because it's just too much. But I do think, and when I was, you know, getting all philosophical about it, I was like, what do I do? You know, genuinely having to ask, what do I do? I'm also you know, I'm, let's be honest, I'm a woman, I'm coming up to 40, i I'm you know, it's all that other stuff, I'm not pretending that none of that matters, that none of that is real. I'm not going to lie, there is an awful lot of work to do, there is an awful lot of time commitment, but the, um, but actually, no matter where I go, whether it's in training and development, that's not really just what I do at Kelpray so that's it does I suppose that's a little bit misleading to be honest with you but it is a part of the business that I'm responsible for but a lot of my work at Kelpray is very client-facing anyway so and again it's the same people wherever I go I go to the CITB and it's the same people and the same issues NFDC similar people same issues Kelbrae, similar people same issues so actually I thought well actually this is an opportunity to go maybe if I was only in one place I wouldn't really be, I'll be able to make a certain amount of change, I'll or, or make a difference. But actually, if I can cross the three, then then hopefully the work that we can do will have a higher impact.
1: Let's fast forward nineteen twenty-two months. You're about to hand over the reins to some other poor unfortunate person. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you could have your stamp on it, you know, if, yeah. if, you know, in years to come, people say, "Oh, when Holly was in charge, we yeah. did that thing." What would that thing be?
0: I think the overall diversity and mental health piece is what I would the legacy I would like to leave. I think, and I think they go very much hand in hand. To be honest with you, I think if we can create a friendlier, more welcoming industry, then everything else is second to that, you know, create teams who are really strong, who care about each other, who will, you know, uh, will be there to support each other, not just on a personal level, but in in the workplace as well. We all know how important it is to be able to trust and rely on the people who you're working with, particularly in an an industry where we're so high risk in everything that we do. So um, that's, I think that's what I would...
1: Light. Yeah. That that is a weird contradiction, actually, isn't it? Because you, I mean, there is a camaraderie in this industry, mm-hmm. and, and you are reliant on the guy who stood this idea or, or the woman yeah. stood this idea or whatever. But going that extra extra step of, like you say, mental health. You know, I, I, you, I mean, I, I've been in a demolition accident. Yeah. I've seen one up close. Yeah, yeah but, me but, but the guys around real. me took care of me. Mm-hmm. But I, at no point have I ever walked on site and thought oh, I probably want to talk to him about my mental health yeah, issues. Exactly, you just don't yeah. do that, do you,
0: you? know. Well, it is. I mean, the, the statistics are shocking. And I have known lots of people, well, not lots, but maybe half a dozen people over my career, like genuinely known the people who have taken their own life. I don't know that many people, <laughs> so you know if 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 that's what's happening, if that's where we are, and we're seeing it constantly, it's coming up over and over and over again. You'd have to be blind not to see what's going on, with how this is being, um, you know, suddenly has become come to the fore, and we've, we've we've really hit a critical point with it, and and we've got to do something about it. But I do think as well, in all honesty, Matt, that. It helps your business to tackle bigger issues. And we've got to look at prevention. We can't just do mental health first aid. It serves its purpose, but it's not everything. We've got to prevent these things from happening in the first place. And we've got to prevent people becoming mentally unhealthy. And I know that obviously the Federation made a move a couple of years ago to to a more focus on occupational health and stuff like that. So it really continues in the same vein and builds on that. and ultimately, it tackles the productivity issue. Because with stress, um, you know, it makes cognitive functioning extremely difficult. We are permanently met with uncertainty on demolition sites. You, it, The site you're working on changes literally millisecond to millisecond. So you are in constantly decision-making process. If your cognitive function is being hindered mm-hmm. by a perpetual stress reaction, there is only one way it's going to go. So let's create that awareness. Let's start, you know, talking about it. And then people can do something. More importantly, give people the tools to do something about it. Because there is nothing I find more frustrating than people. And it happens so much with initiatives generally that people tell you you've got a problem, but they never tell you how to solve it. And that is not what we intend to do. Is that? This is a conversation I had with Terry Cormier
1: a few years ago. I, I think that the fact that we're addressing mental health also speaks to the fact that we've come a long way. Yeah. You know, you go back 30, 40 years and there were people dying in their droves. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Terry was, was beating his chest about the fact that mm-hmm. because we're now recycling, we're going to my hands on, and we're getting people cutting their fingers yeah. and getting dust in their eyes. If we, if our biggest problem is getting dust in your eye, we, we've come we've a come really a long way, way. Yeah. and I, I, I wouldn't say that's over and done with. I mean, did God proves that, mm. but, but the very fact that we, we've now come so far that we can now concentrate on things like mental health, mm. I think that is a, a, a proof of, like I say, just yeah. how far we've come. You know,
0: and so. I am gobsmacked at the reaction from the membership. Like genuinely, there, there's a lot of appetite for it. There's a lot of interaction even now um I found myself because maybe five or six years ago I found myself in a position we were going through considerable growth at Calvary and it was very very challenging you know when we're acquiring new businesses and culturally they're very different and how do we as a senior management team or the direct you know the board we have a I'm on the uh operations board and it's it's we've got to tackle those issues and it is it is a matter of you know it was really really hard and I remember being in a meeting one day and going and genuinely losing the ability to string a sentence together I was like I just there was nothing nothing left and I was like I was completely depleted entirely I had nothing in my reserves I was shocked and I remember walking out of that meeting room, straight into the toilets, as you do, floods of tears, what the hell is going on, what is happening to me, you know, and trying to find a solution. And I was sick to death of looking around going, I'm going, I'm in, I'm in training and development, I'm in learning, surely I can find something, you know? And just subsequently getting more and more frustrated about the sheer fact that there's people willing to take your hard earned cash to tell you that you're stressed, But like, really? Yeah. well I, I kind of know that so tell me you, you've just told me my symptoms well I already know what they are because I already can't sleep but if you tell people why they can't sleep because they're being stressed because of the hormonal system you know what's going on and you create that level of awareness and that's it it was overnight for me it was changed overnight because I ended up going to California and working with an institute over there. So a lot of the stuff that we're bringing to this the wellbeing programme, the mental health programme through the Federation includes that as well as the physical um, aspects of, of um, health. So no, nowhere else in the industry is doing it. This is also gonna be very unique. If you would like to help support this show, Demolition News or The Demolition Magazine, please consider becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash demolition news to find out more.